Well, good morning. It's great to see you all this morning. I'm going to move this out of the way a little bit. I know. One of these days, I'm just going to start service, and the podium is going to be on that side of the room. So we're going to start, and then everybody's going to walk in, and if you're late, everybody's going to see you. It's going to be crazy. And, and we're just going to be like, what happens? You know, and amen. It'll be that way. So... You know, as you guys know, I've been really working and, and trying to, you know, try different things and learning and, and growing and speaking and, and doing different stuff. But I'm excited because we're starting a new series. All right. We're starting a new series that it's, it's going to be really encouraging. And I'm excited because, you know, I'm going to have some help in this series. We've got some of the other brothers preaching and we've got other people coming up to, to preach as well. And they might... They might do the series, but they might not. It's, I'm giving them the leeway. And when you have a guest speaker, you want to... You know, they might bring one of their own like real lessons that, that they are like great at, you know? And um, if you didn't know, most speakers do that. They have like their one that they're like super, super good at. And that's like their traveling sermon. Uh, seriously, that's how it works. But we're going to start this morning. If you've got a, a Bible, we're going to go to Hebrews 11. That's where we're headed. But this series that we're, we're about to get started, I'm very excited about. And it's, it's called Heroes of Faith. And so this is, this is what we have. It's, it's Heroes of Faith. Men and women throughout biblical history that we're going to talk about who have been leaders and heroes of faith. And, and so what I want to do this morning, though, uh, before we, we jump into this, I want to paint a picture for us, all right? So I want to get us to a point where we're, like, in the Scripture, okay. all right? But to do that, you've got you to gotta put your, your imagination goggles on. You've got to put your, your imagination hat on, whatever it is, to, to take yourself out of where we are and put yourself somewhere a little bit different, all right? And, and to do that, though, I want us to kind of take a little bit of a journey with it. And, and the first place I want to take us... Is, is actually Washington, D.C. Alright? And, and technically, it's, it's just outside of Washington, D.C., but there's a place in the Pentagon, right? There's a hall there called the Hall of Heroes. And in the Hall of Heroes, there are, there are names on the walls, listed on the walls for every man and woman who's ever received a, man, uh, a Medal of Honor. A service member who's received a Medal of Honor. There's over 3,000 names on this wall. And, and to go there, to have awards given there, retirements done there, it's a, it's a place of honor and respect. To, to be an individual who's uplifted there is incredible. Even to stand there, you stand among the names of people who have done great things. And so when you stand in an environment like that, you can imagine a, a, a hall, it's kind of an amphitheater style a little bit, but it's this one... They have the names of all of these people on, on the plaques along the walls. And you just think, 3,000 names, people giving medals of honor. What are the stories yeah. behind each of those? Right? I mean, some of the things these people had to do, they're not just handed out easily. These people have to go through great trial and, and do something incredible to receive a medal of honor. And so you, you consider standing in a hall. This hall of heroes in the Pentagon, I've never been there. I've never been to the Hall of Heroes, but you can imagine standing in it. But where I have been is, is Arlington National Cemetery. And I don't know if any of us have ever been there, 
before, but Arlington National Cemetery is it's this massive cemetery of over 400,000, where over 400,000 service men and women have been buried. And if you, you walk into this cemetery, and just, just try to see it with me, and you, you walk into it, and it's, there's, there's some oak trees and different trees, but there is hundreds and thousands upon thousands upon thousands of all of these, these gravestones. And they're, they're all of these beautiful white gravestones, and you stand there, and they're, they're made in this way where it's line after line after line, and kind of at any angle you stand at, you can find a, a line of them. They just seem to go on and on and on. But as you, as I walked around there, and it's been it's been over a decade since I've been there, but I remember just being like, even as a, a, a young person, I was like, this is crazy that this many people have have died. And what they did was a service to their country to serve. And, and that's when I see that, even there, I I can't help but respect that loyalty and act of service. Right. So can you guys envision that being there, being in this place where hundreds of thousands have died in an act of service or have, have lived a life of service and they're now memorialized in a place like this? And so here's, here's the thing, though. We've, we, can, we can... This is a real place. These are both real places of real people that are recent, more or less, history. Right? Of... Like Arlington National Cemetery is it's a couple hundred years old, but it's we go in and there's all of these people there, lives that we can easily find their ancestors. Some you can't, but you're there and you know that a life was was given, right? And it, it demands and commands respect for us when you're in a place like that. So what I want us to do this morning, though, and this is where you're really going to have to use an imagination to make this. I'm going to look at this room that we're in. We're in, we're in a pretty great room. What I want you to do is, I want you to envision this. Go ahead, close your eyes with me for a second. You've, you've seen it. Close your eyes. Put, put large marble columns on each side of this room. Large marble columns on each side. And you go back a little behind each of these columns, and there's these marble walls. And on these walls, there's names engraved. Thousands of names. And this room doesn't... Where, where this room stops, this hall does not stop. It keeps going on and on and on and on and on. And it, it, it keeps going and going. And you can't see the end of this. But on these walls, there's names carved. And all of these names are people of faith who've lived and died. And, and you, as we walk down this hall... And you're walking down the hall. There's these reliefs on either side. Behind these big columns, where there's these, these pictures and these murals, murals and paintings of some incredible men and women of faith. And what I want to do this morning is I want us to take a walk down this hall. Alright? Because the scripture we're going to go through this morning, it's often referred to as the hall of faith. And so I want to, I want to walk through this. And as I read this scripture, I want you to envision walking down this hall. Let me be your tour guide. And this is a good chance. If your phone is on, you want to turn it off. Like any good tour. But as we're going to walk through it. And we're going to walk down. And I want you, as I read through this scripture, to envision this hall. With all of these names. Hundreds of thousands 
and millions upon millions of names engraved along the way. And we're only going to look at a piece this morning. We're going to talk about just a piece. But I want you to walk with me. Let me, let me guide you down this hall, all right? So walk with me as I read from Hebrews 11. And as we start this, this tour down. It starts here in verse 1. In the hall of faith. It says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for. And certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. So that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. And by faith he was commended as a righteous man, when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith he still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith Enoch, he was taken from this life, so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. Before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Can you see the paintings as you walk down the hall? Can you see them? You see that of Enoch. You know, look at this one. Verse 7. By faith, Noah, he knoweth, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. And by his faith, he condemned the world. And became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham. When called to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. Even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. And he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand of the seashore. You know, all of these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country that they had left, they would have had an opportunity to return. Instead, They were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. You know, by faith, Abraham, when when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son. And even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offering will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. By faith, Isaac, who remember Isaac, 
blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. And by faith, Jacob, when we're here, when we see Jacob, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was near, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his bones. By faith, Moses, Moses' parents hid him for three months after, after he was born because they saw that he was no ordinary child. And they were not afraid. They were not afraid of the king's verdict, Edith. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasure of sin for a short time. He regarded... He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he, he saw him who was invisible. And by faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people, you see the people standing in between the Red Sea? By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people who had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. What more shall I say? I don't have time to tell you. I don't have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised who shut the mouths of lions and quenched the fury of the flames, who escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and in holes in the ground. As we look around and we look, if you see this hall, They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Therefore, guys, therefore, because we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. 
Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Do you guys see the hall? Do you see it? I mean, as we, we walk down it. And I don't, we don't have time. I mean, today is, is merely an introduction. An introduction of a series of faith. Of incredible men and women. Heroes of faith. That we don't have time to talk about today. I can't tell you of all of them and all of the things that they have done. But over the next several weeks, you know, we're going to go through this. All the way to the end of the year. And, and we, may, we may go on. It's the next year. But we want to look at these incredible men and women. And they've gone before us. And it's funny when you stand in a place like this. And you consider these men and women of faith. And the things that they have been through. It's easier to persevere and push forward, right? It's easy to aspire to do greater things. But here's the thing that should encourage us. Here's something that can really encourage us. We can look at these people and go, they are so great and amazing, and I just can't be like that. Here's what's interesting. They were people. They were liars. They were adulterers. They were murderers. They were thieves. They were drunkards. And they were cowards. All of the people in this list were just people. They were imperfect people who many times messed up bad. Literally, you had murderers and liars and cowards in this list that we uphold. And that should, funny enough, should encourage us. Why? Because we are imperfect people. They were imperfect people with their eyes fixed on a perfect God. They weren't focused on their image, they were focused on Christ. And just as us should make sure that we are not focused on our image, but are focused on Christ. That's where we put our eyes. We don't put our eyes on, on what we're trying to build or, or the faith of, man, I really want my name on that wall one day. We just want to get with Christ. That's how that happens. To be with God that, that perseveres and per, you know, keeps going. That's what we want. And all of us, so when I see this, I'm encouraged. These are messed up people. They're messed up. They have character flaws. We all have character flaws. Amen? We can all admit that, I think. None of us are perfect. But what they did is through faith in Christ and through faith in His coming kingdom, they persevered so that they could know eternity. These are some of the greatest heroes of faith. And today, I only have one point. My first and last point, alright, for us, is this. Therefore, run the race. Therefore, run. Therefore, run. You know, if we look at this hall, and put yourself back there for a second. Put yourself back in the hall. This hall is your journey of life. You can't see the end of it. You don't know how far it goes. Some of us have different, some of us have stairs to climb. Some of us will go down. Some of us will come up. Some of us have that nice, flat, easy, level path that just seems so simple 
And, and others have that steep climb that just you can't quite see the top. But what we know is that this is our journey. This is our travel. How far we're going to go. And so what I want us to do is, is consider this. We're called to run. And so if we want to run, I want to look at, at two things. And I want to take us back to Hebrews 12, verse 1 through 3. And it says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Two things that you got to do to be able to run. The point is run. Therefore, run. But two things you've got to do to be able to run it. You've got to throw off everything that hinders and fix your eyes on Jesus. And I'm going to talk about those two things briefly. But it's, we look at this. And these men and women of faith, what did they do? They kept their eyes on Christ, yes. But they also had to put their faith in God and get rid of hindrances. And, and we're going to get a chance as we go through this series to talk about what some of their hindrances were. What were the things they had to cast off? How did they keep their eyes on God? But I want to ask you this. What are your hindrances? Good question. What is, in this hall, as you run down, what is weighing you down from getting to the end? Because we're striving to run, right? We're called to run it. But one of the hardest things is running when you're weighed down. And, and a, an easy illustration for me from this was, uh, so yesterday, uh, Saturday morning, we have a group of guys that get together and we go and we work out together. And, and it's just entitled Improve. Anybody, you know, all the guys are, are, are welcome. It's just trying to build some brotherhood and some bonding. But the idea is Improve. It's not trying to be who's the best or the fastest or the strongest. It's simply just improve yourself. Mm-hmm. Just strive. Right, but what's encouraging slash discouraging? Um, you know, Rob leads the class, oh, yeah. and, and, on, and he's not in here right now. Rob is like an incredibly, an incredibly great shape. He's forty-four years old. He's in incredibly great shape. Uh, I feel like very challenged by Rob sometimes. He's doing these things where he's he's like. All right, everybody, you, you know, you're in plank position. And he's like, all right, lift your right arm. All right, stay in plank position. All right, lift your right leg. Okay, put it down. Lift your left leg. All right, now lift your right arm and your left leg. And I'm like, I'm like falling over. I'm like falling over. And Rob's just like, just perfectly straight. Just, he, just, more, and I'm just like looking at him being like, I don't get it. And then at the end of our workout, so we worked out for like half an hour. We worked out, it's all the healthy eating, you know, Chandra. But uh, we, we, we do our workout, and then he's like, all right. Now, some of us know where this is at. Callahan Park, some of us know where it's at. Um, most of us know where Pine Street is. So it's right by Pine Street. Well, Rob's like, all right, so I figure we'll go for a run. So we'll just run from here up to Redstone. And I'm like, he's like, so we'll, we'll go up, and then we'll run up Cliff Street, and then we'll run back down. And I was like... 
And that's, uh, I was like, you know, I, uh, I, I have to go and pick up these sisters. Uh, and Kristen needs me to pick up these sisters on time and get them back. So I don't know if I can do that one. Um, and, and then I'm like, well, he's like, well, well, we could just run up to the golf course. You know, it's, it's a little bit shorter. And I'm still like, that entire thing is still a pill. <laughs> uh, I'm just sitting there running through it in my mind. Like, I, do, I don't run. Okay, I, I don't like to run. I will swim. I will swim a mile. Like, I'll get out and swim a mile. I'm okay with that. Running a mile just discourages me more. <laughs> it's just how I feel. But so when we said that, and then I'm like, well, I don't know if I can... I have the time for that. And then the other guys are like, well, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. And I'm thinking, I actually have the time. I actually have the time to do this. Um, I just really don't want to do this. And especially, I mean, quite literally, the entire way up to the Redstone campus is completely uphill. Like, there is not a flat spot. It is just, the whole thing is a steady incline the whole way. And then it ends with Cliff Street, which is very appropriately named, if you don't know where Cliff Street is. It is, uh, it's about like this. I don't think that's much of an exaggeration. It's, 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 it's very steep. And so I'm like, I decide, okay, I'll run it with you. I'll, I'll, run, I'll start running. And I'm like, we're with, you know, Ryan's brother Shay, and he brought his friend Tyler, and... And Rob's like, okay, well, you know, we can all kind of keep together. And I'm like, okay. And I'm just like, like dying. Yes, I'm just I'm feeling it. My lungs hurt and my body hurts and I'm running up this hill. And I'm not even to Cliff Street yet. And David's actually, David's behind me. And I know because David's behind me, I'm like, all right, I'm, I don't want to stop. I don't want to stop. He, he's like behind me. And, and the other guys are in front and I can see them and I'm starting to keep going. And I do this thing where sometimes I will tell myself, I'm like, all right, if this is your spiritual life, are you going to stop when it gets hard? Uh, that's really challenging. Yeah. So that got me about another, I don't know, 500 yards. <laughs> and it was just before we get to the point where you turn and go up Cliff Street. And I'm like, I've got to take a breather before I start going up this hill. And so I like... David actually passed me, and, and then I start walking for, for just a little bit. And I start walking up the hill, and I'm so impressed with David. Because he's like, you can tell he's tired too. He puts his hands on his hip, and he's still running like this, up the hill. I was like, that brother is still trying to run. Amen. And, but the thing was, is pretty much all the other guys are already at the top of the hill. You know, Rob just trucked his way up. You know, Shay and Tyler are up there already. And... And I'm like at the bottom of the hill, like, oh, <laughs> all right, I got to start running again. And I just don't. And I'm like taking kind of longer stride. But you know what got me to run again was when I knew that they were all about to get to the top of the hill and turn around. <laughs> and I was like, I don't want them to see me walk. I don't want them to witness me walking. And because I knew, I mean, one, it helped me just being with them. But just them seeing me, I'm like, I want, to, I want to keep going. And so I start running up the hill again. Well, as much as I could run up the up foot street. And so I'm, I'm headed up, and it's still all the way, it doesn't even flatten out, all the way up to Redstone Campus. And 
I pass like the last little stop sign before you take the last block. And all the guys are already there. And they're like, come on, Mike. You know, everybody's already up there. They're like, come on, Mike. I'm a block behind. And, and you know what really, they're all watching me. So I'm like, all right, I'm not going to stop. What really encouraged me is actually both uh, Shay started and then, and then Rob came just shortly after. But they like jogged back to me. And, and I wanted to tell them, you know, staying. So I was like, that's, that's a great shepherd. Like, hey man, you know, coming back for the struggling person. And, and I, no exaggeration, as soon as Shay got to me and started running next to me again, I ran a little bit harder. I felt so tired, but I did. And it was just, one of it was having somebody next to me. One was I knew my goal, and I had my brothers in front of me who could see me. And, and they also made me not want to quit, because I, I didn't want them to see me. But we were there, and I finally got to the top, and they're all well rested, and they still waited to let me rest. Amen. And then we had to run back. But at least most of it was downhill. And, you know, it was, for me, that was so hard. It was so hard. I didn't want to do it. But I knew that having witnesses helped me try harder. I knew that there were people doing it with me. You know, and here's the thing, guys. We're going to go through the Hall of Fame. This is your life journey. If you envision running through this, and some of us will have those steep hills. You know, that never-ending staircase, it seems like. That you're going up. But when you stop, and you see on the walls on either side, the hundreds and thousands of names of people who've gone before you, you know that they finished the race. You know that they made it to the end. And for us, we want to get to the end. Right? We want to finish. But it's hard to finish when you don't have your goal in sight. Right? And, and for us, it's throw off everything that hinders. What hindered me was my thinking. I couldn't finish the race thinking that I couldn't do it. Oh, I don't have the time to do that. For many of us in our spiritual walk with God, Pursuing and running our race has mostly to do with our mindset. How do you think about it? You can do it. You can do it. I want to encourage you guys to change your mind. A lot of it is how we think. And for some of us, it's, it's what we worship and, and, and it's the sin that entangles. And some of us, our sin is our worship of our jobs or our school. Some of it's money. Some of it's relationships. You know, for some, it's... it's very obvious sin, whether it's sexual immorality or impurity, you know, it's straight up greed. Like, there are those sorts of things that are certainly sin that entangle us. We can't run those races. We can't run this race of life with those hindrances on us. It's like trying to run with a backpack and fully clothed. I don't, I think I would have told the guys all to just keep going and come back and get me later. You know, David had my keys in his pocket, so I gave him my hindrance and he took it. But uh, he had my key. I was like, come back and get me, you know? Could have been my response. But we've got to throw off our hindrances. We've got to do it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Let's make sure we do that. That's that's the the first part of running the race. The second part of it is fix your eyes on Jesus. You've got to know where you're going and what's waiting for you at the end. Right? 
It helped me to see the top of the hill and see my brothers cheering me on and calling me forward. But it also helped that I knew that when I got home, Kristen was going to, she was making pecan waffles with homemade maple syrup, or with homemade maple whipped cream and maple syrup and blueberries. And I did all of that workout and then I ate two and a half waffles with all of that on it and negated everything. But uh, it was, it was great. But for us, fix your eyes on something. You've got to fix your eyes on Christ. Now, I, I just wanted to point this out really quick. And it's in verse 2. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What was his joy? What do you think his joy was? You know, I believe that his joy was being with you. His joy, Jesus' joy, was being in a relationship with mankind and being in a relationship with you. That's what he strove for. That's what he carried the cross for. That's what he, he went through Gethsemane and carried that burden and, and made it to the end because for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. Right? Yeah. And so we look at that. What was his joy? He wanted to be with us. Wow. How do you view Jesus? How do you view? Because that's the thing that really ultimately should make us want to get to the end. If you're, you're envision this hall, at the very end is the throne room of God. That's Jesus. That's the Almighty. The Alpha, the Omega. The beginning and the end. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the most amazing, the absolute good and perfect God. Who's saying, keep going. You fix your eyes on Jesus. You know that there are thousands of people of faith around you, but your eyes are fixed on Christ. It's not just them, and they can encourage you, but Jesus is where we're trying to go. That's the goal of what we're trying to get to in the end. We fix our eyes on Jesus, and we know that He endured much, and that helps too. Working out together with other guys and knowing other guys are running up the same hill when it's really hard is encouraging. When you know, there's something about suffering with men. I don't know why we do it. But suffering together is encouraging. For some reason. We all, we talk about it later. We're like, man, that really stunk. Yeah, I like almost threw up twice. Well, amen. You know, we we laugh about it. And then we're like, I'll see you on Saturday morning. Yeah, I'll be there. (laughs) Right? Suffering, there's an element of that. But knowing that, that empathy, that connection. Mm -hmm. And so I put this before you. That Jesus is where your eyes need to be. Fix your eyes on Him. To run that race. To make it to the end. And so I I say this. Therefore let us run. Let us run. Don't give up. Keep going. When you're feeling overwhelmed, don't give up. You know, if you're feeling tired, don't give up. When you get to the point that you feel like this just isn't worth it. Don't give up. Get to know God again. If you don't know Him, get to know Him. It is worth it. If you don't think it's worth it, I, I want to politely but just tell you you're wrong. It's worth it. Yeah. What waits for you at the end is totally, totally worth it. Yeah. And as we, here's the best part. Not the best part. The best part is God. But you run this race, you get to the very end, 
There's a section of wall waiting for you to text your name into it. So that when for the next person that might be coming behind you, your your name is right there to encourage them. What stories will be told of your faith? What stories will be told of you that encourage others to keep going? And there's much. So as we go through this Hall of Faith series, as we walk down it together, and you see the different people, and you see the illustrations, and you see their stories and their history, and their trials and their failures, remember that they're heroes of faith, and they're people just like us. But all they did was persevere and have faith in the Lord. Let us keep going. Let us run the race. Let us not give up. Let us be inspired by those who came before us. And let's inspire those who come after us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.